And we looked a few weeks ago at a grape called Graham. And we talked about Graham's problem, Graham the grape's problem. And you can find that on our YouTube channel if you want to go back. We just get to, to take something out of that story that comes in John 15. I've been working my way through John's gospel and uh, verse by verse all throughout the pandemic. And again, all of that's available on the YouTube site. There's a playlist, John's gospel, uh, over 100 different talks on John if you want. We're in John chapter 15 where Jesus talks of himself being the vine and the father, the gardener. And he talks about bearing fruit, which is what we looked at with uh, Graham the grape a few weeks ago. But tonight I want to go back into that and look at a verse that I skipped over when we did it before because it kind of felt that it was going to come back tonight. And it seemed as I was thinking about this this evening for us as a church and for Kath as a part of our church that this verse had particular resonance. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's a bit of a scary verse, so don't worry. I'm going to come and explain that more gently perhaps. But the next part I think is something for us at the moment, while every brooch, every brooch, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that will be even more fruitful. And I know that we don't, many of us, all of us indeed, we don't like change. It unsettles us. It makes us feel uncomfortable. The one caterpillar uh, says to the others, I don't care how you feel, all feel, I hate change. And we do find that difficult. Change is uncomfortable. Maya Angelou said, we delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve its beauty. So I'm going to ask uh, three questions that I want to explore. And we're going to share in communion, worship a little bit together. And then the Kath's going to come back. And I want to invite as many as you as wish to come and gather around uh, and pray for it. It may be that there are one or two that have a particular prayer or word that you want to share with her. But the questions I want to ask are these. What does cutting off the unfruitful mean? What does pruning look like in our lives? And how do we handle pruning? Now, this is in the context of where I was speaking a few weeks ago about bearing fruit. And we asked these questions, uh, and you can find, as I said, all of that. But just to summarize, we talked about that fruit is creating disciples like us who replicate. So it's replica replicating disciples. In other words, that Jesus puts his life into us that we might reproduce other people. So those people who, because of the life we have led, know what a disciple is. They can see, oh, a disciple looks like that because they've looked at us. But not only that, they look at us and go, that's what I would want to be. And God invites, in fact, more than invites, he calls, and we'll see what he does with those who refuse that call in a moment, all of us to join in in just living such a life that other people go, ah, so that's what a follower of Jesus is. And in doing that, go, that's what I'd like to do. And in the, the end of the last time, we talked about the five practical things that we can do to help bear fruit. And we talked about simply blessing and being part of God's provision of love for a hurting and broken world. We, talk about being, we talked about being welcomers, about people who include and invite in to a community. We talked about people who are a, being able just to tell our story, 
just to say, this is what God's done in my life, being a witness, giving a testimony, telling our story, just telling the truth, nothing made up or over-exaggerated, but just this is what God has done in my life. We talked about being a modeling it, just showing what love looks like in action. The command of Jesus was to love. He said, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love. And we talked about encouraging others to do that. And so that's what uh, uh, the fruit is, to, is that we live a life that others want to, to join on board with. We do that. A suggestion is five different things there. We could look at it in other ways, but that's how we looked at it before. So let's again go to this question. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I did some research. I thought I'd done brilliantly, and I researched, because uh, lots of you know I'm not a gardener. I don't, uh, anyway, I researched what pruning and why it's done. Although I realize in talking with lots of different people since this morning that I know very little, really. And it's a lot more complicated than I said. But I think the basics of what I'm going to say are roughly true. The reason why in uh, tending a vine, and again, if you remember, couple of, whenever we did this before, I opened the can of worms as to whether a vine was a bush or a tree, and people were very, very specific with me that it's neither, and I accept that. A vine is a vine. Anyway, why did it cut off? Uh, I didn't realize people felt so strongly about these things, but anyway, I should know these things, and I'm excited to know the difference between crown green and crown, whatever it was, lawn green and crown green. Ooh. Anyway, deadwood harbors disease and insects. If a branch is left that has died and it's left on the vine, it, it uh, gathers disease and insects that then can, um, whatever they do, hop, jump, crawl onto the rest of the thing the rest of the vine. I, I did research this. They also, it also obscures the light and it blocks the way for the good uh, branches to grow. And so it has to be cut away and it, it blocks that pathway for growth. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. What does it mean that God removes those who are unwilling to bear fruit. I think, essentially, it's for God's sidelines from his work, those who have no desire to partner with him. Those who would say, that's not what I'm about. I don't want to do that. He just takes them out of the work. He moves on. He removes his blessing from those who have no intention to bless, no intention to welcome, no intention to give testimony, no intention to model, or no intention to encourage. He simply says, I can't bless, I remove my presence, if you like. And Kath talked about Paul Levin and the churches having had a sense of revival and in decades gone were filled. And we know the churches here that have been filled, great, beautiful buildings that are now warehouses or, or accommodation or have four or five people in them. 
And I suspect that at some point people made a decision, whether it was really conscious or just drifted into it, that they didn't really want to join in with what God was doing, that they stopped blessing, they started looking inwards and arguing, that they stopped welcoming and they started complaining about people doing things differently because this was their group, and they stopped talking to the visitor and the stranger. And they stopped telling their story and they kept it private and personal what God had done and they didn't feel it was something for others to hear. And they stopped modeling. They stopped living it out. They became self-centered and selfish and bitter and cruel and gossipy. And God said, I move on. And the church stays like that for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but it just disappears. And we have to be so prayerful and conscious that we do not want God to move on and say, okay, Sutton Baptist, I'm going somewhere else. And it will be if we seek to stop welcoming or blessing or if we were to turn in on ourselves. This is our thing for our way. And if we stop living it. This is my pew. This has always been my pew. And you're left alone in the pew. Change is difficult, but it doesn't always have to be difficult. The recommendation of the church growth consultant to get rid of the hard wooden pews was quickly accepted. Change can bring something good. And that's what pruning is about. Every branch that does bear fruit, now notice this, every branch that is already fruitful, pruning is a sign of God saying, this is what you're doing is great, but we can do more. And again, I read up as to why that it happens. And, the, and I love this phrase that I came across, that pruning needs to enable maximum life to go to the fruit and not the branches. Remember, you and I are the branches. And if you don't prune, the branches get bigger and bigger and bigger and thicker and thicker and thicker and stronger and stronger and stronger. And the fruit gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that is such a picture that God is wanting us to bear fruit, not to put all the energies and all the resources of our faith into us, but into what we're giving away, into how we're relating to other people, into how we're seeking to be Christ's people. And you'll know that I've said this for many, many years. The biggest danger of all churches is that we think Christianity is our club for us to help us feel better. And it isn't. You and I have been invited to be part of the body of Christ, to be his hands and his feet to a broken world that is not as God wants, to bring light into darkness. It's not about us. It's about the fruit. And if we allow ourselves to be so wrapped up in who we are and what God has done in us, the branch gets too big and the fruit withers.
So what might pruning look like in our lives? Well, let's just say the big thing. It is short-term discomfort for long-term fulfillment. It is where God's saying, okay, you're fruitful, and that's great. We're going to change something, and it's difficult a little bit. It's uneasy. And lots of us feel uneasy with calf going. And Kath will feel uneasy about going. We've talked about that. We've shared about that. Short-term discomfort is the pruning, but it brings long-term fulfillment. So what does pruning look like in our lives? A number of things. It might be making, uh, moving us to something new to allow others to grow. And we see that with Kath going, that it gives the opportunity for other people to do. Other people can step up and humiliate and take, the, and take the mick out of me. Other people can have the opportunity to make fun of my footwear and a thousand other things. But more seriously, that when God moves someone, it creates the growth in others. And we've seen that time and time again in our church. We have sent out so many people over the years. And we had a word, as I shared in our renewal Sunday at the beginning of the year, we had a word that God was blessing us as a sending church. And uh, I did kind of say, you know, God, I'd quite like just to hang on to a few more people. But actually, I'd rather be what God wants us to be. And you look at the number of people who have gone from this church fellowship into other churches all over the world, all over the country, all over this city. And it allows something new to happen. But this may not be about our church. It may be about other places in your life. It may be about work. It may be about family. There are all kinds of times, seasons of life. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's children leaving home. Maybe it's redundancy or a change of role at church, at, at, in your job. Maybe it's something going different going on in other family and friendships where other people are moving away. There are lots of ways in which people move. And pruning is allowing something new to grow. It is redirecting our path away from the expected, where what we thought was all planned and we could see how it was all going to go, and God prunes and there's a fresh and new way to go. It may be that he reduces our activity to allow us to focus more. In other words, we are, we've got so many things going on and he cuts some of it back and says, not that. Maybe do this more. Maybe go deeper rather than spread wide. And lots of us talked about that during the pandemic, didn't we? That one of the things we learned was that we were doing too many things and we were going to do, um, when it was all over, we were going to focus more. Well, perhaps there's a question tonight, did we do that? Or are we still spread thin? And is God saying, I want to just take this bit away that you might focus on that? It means sometimes pruning is removing our, excess, our successes to rekindle our hunger and dependence. We start again, we go back, and we, things that we've, we looked at and said, that's great, we've labored over that, and it's brilliant, it's working really well, I'm going to stay with that, and God says, yeah, I'm going to move it on, because I want you to go back to the place of saying, I don't know how to do this. And you go back to the place of saying, God, will you use me? And there is very often a complacency that happens as we see fruit and as things are working, we think, we can do this, we know what we're doing. And God sometimes says, I want to pull that back that you come back to me and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And I need to depend on you. It may be removing a distraction that we thought was a help 
something that was become a little bit of a crutch for us, then we think it's brilliant. God says, no, actually, it's stopping you focusing on me. So this might be to do with relationships. It might be to do with work. It might be to do with our church or another church that we're a part of. So what does it look like? It may be seeing others take our roles and maybe going further and doing things better than we thought and we did. It may be seeing others grow and leave and move on as we do with Kath. It may be cutting us back to do less, better, and we find we haven't got the opportunity or the energy or the health to do all that we used to do. It may be having to start again. It may be going right back to the beginning. It may be a change in our focus or our goals. It may be a removal of our security or our comfort. Calvin and Hobbes. Hobbes says, are you making any... This is a new year. I know it's the hottest day of the year, and we've been talking about new year, but, yeah. This is New Year's resolutions. Are you making any resolutions for the new year? And Calvin says, nope. I want everything to stay the same as it was this year. Everything? He says, right. This year was lousy, but at least it's familiar. I hate change. It's too disruptive. When things are different, you have to think about the change and deal with it. I like to stay with the same, so I can take, uh, I can take everything for granted. Besides, things keep changing for the worse. The longer I live, the more complicated everything gets. I say, let's stop here before life gets any harder. And I reckon most of us, if we're honest, would feel that. Let's just, no more change. No more things going wrong. Let's just stay here. Let's just build a camp. Make it solid. From now on, no more change. For those listening on the podcast, uh, there is a series of slides of them waiting silently. And eventually, I'm bored, let's do something different. Some things don't change. If we, as the disciples said to Jesus at the Transfiguration, let's build a, a... a tabernacle and stay here on the mountaintop at this great moment, it all unravels. We can't stay here. We want to grow because otherwise the branch will become so thick that it dies and the blessing and presence of God moves somewhere else. So how do we handle pruning uh, before we uh, take communion and pray with Kath? First thing, it's just a little bit longer than the others, but we need to firstly differentiate between attack to be resisted and pruning to be cooperated with. And I think this is really important. Not everything that happens to us, that every change and everything, not everything is good. Sometimes it's a spiritual attack. It's something of the world or of the devil. It's not God's will. And so we need to recognize that there are times when God is pruning and then there are times when the devil or humanity is attacking. So what do we do? What is the difference? Well, pruning enhances, but attack damages. If we see people being damaged, 
and hurt and mistreated. That's not God pruning. That's not God's will. That's part of the kingdom of darkness that we need to resist and we need to pray against. Pruning honors but attack dishonors. It's there is criticism and uh, uh, um, a lack of love going on. Then it is not of God and it's not pruning. And there'll be things in our life that are difficult. We need to discern this. Hang on, I'm going to resist this rather than cooperate with it because it's not what God wants for us. Pruning does not take life. But we need to understand the difference between pruning. And we trust that God in his grace and in his mercy can take good out of the difficulty. Romans 8.28 tells us that he brings good out of everything when we seek to love him. So even the things that are attacks are not what God wants that we need to resist. We trust that God will somehow, in his time and in his purpose, bring some measure of good. But all of this is different from pruning. So the first thing is to handle pruning is to say, okay, am I being pruned? Is this, a, is this God or is this not God? And sometimes that's difficult to work out and sometimes we wait. But what, after that, once we've worked out, yeah, I think God's pruning. And I must say that when Kath came to me and said uh, over a year ago or just about a year ago, I feel it's right to move on. There's a moment where you go, oh, gosh, how are we going to cope? What are we going to do? But actually, there was a sense for me of a real rightness for her and for us. Because if it's right for Kath, it's right for us. And so we want to cooperate with it, not resist it. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like we look forward and we look for what God is going to do rather than resist and look backwards. We, don't, we turn and face what he is going to do rather than turning our back on what he is going to do and try and stay and dwell and hold on to the past. We don't focus on regret, if only. Why? Let's, why can't we just stay the same? Why can't it be like this? But we look forward and say, God, you're doing this and I want to be part of it and I want to continue with it. We focus on thankfulness, not complaint. We focus on gratitude. We give thanks for the past. We give thanks, as we've done today, for all that Kath has done among us. We give thanks for the things in, other things in your life that are good, that you recognize have changed or are changing. We give thanks. We honor them. But we don't complain. We go forward and say, God, because you've done good in the past, I trust you to do good in the future. We don't fight against it. We don't waste time, effort, and emotion resisting. They say, God, I'm going to walk with you through this season. And what that means is, as we go complete circle, it means we continue to bless. We choose. We say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to be fruitful and I want to make disciples, so I will continue to be a blessing to the people you've put me with, the people I work with, the people I live amongst, the people I worship with. I will continue to be good for them. I will continue to express God's care and love for them. I will not be a voice of bitterness, argument and hurt and damage. I will be a person of blessing. And I will continue to welcome. I will continue to open up my heart and say, even though I have lost people who I love, I will make room for new people. And I will continue to, if I'm asked, I, to not be ashamed, but to say, this is the hope that is within me. This is what God has done, how he set me free. 
and I will continue to do all I can to be filled with this Holy Spirit that I live the fruit, that I live peace and joy and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control. And I will resist the things in my life that are not of Christ, that do not point to him. And we renew our commitment to encourage others. So how do we handle pruning? We say, God, I'm for what you have for me. And I look forward. And I'm going to do what I can to be part of that. So our questions for reflection, which we'll have from us in a moment in communion. Are we desiring fruitfulness? Is that our heart? Are we saying, God, what can I do for you? Or God, what are you doing for me? Because when our mindset is, God, what are you doing for me? We become unfruitful. We become dead wood. And he moves on. And when we say, God, what can I do for you? Who can I bless? Who can I encourage? Who can I inspire? Then, yeah, there may be change, but the energy isn't in us. It's in the fruit. And that is special, to get to heaven and see those who we have impacted and to meet in heaven the fruit of our labors. So how can we cooperate with pruning? I came across this quote, uh, Saviour and friend, how wonderful art thou, my companion upon the changeful way, my comforter of its weariness, my guide to the eternal town, the welcome at its gate. Lord, we bring to you the change in our lives. And we invite you to continue to change us, to continue to help us grow, to continue to help us more fruitful. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.